0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, I am your decoder, Simon Whammers here, the foreman of this show. One of my writers, in this case, Ilza, thank you Ilza, has written me a script. Have we found Noah's Ark? And we're gonna, uh, investigate the mystery. Was Noah's Ark real? Like, I mean, <laughs> the story of Noah's Ark that all the animals went on is like the literal interpretation of the Bible. It's like, no, obviously not. Or, uh, well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to work out well. This—it's just—I un- don't need to explain this. It's ridiculous. Um, we're gonna—you know—there's often things in the Bible which turn out, and it's like, oh yeah, there was this the, you know, there's the historical part of the Bible which could be somewhat accurate, and then maybe there was a big boat and all that stuff. Wasn't that a Steve Carell movie where he has a big boat? He has to build a giant ark or something like that. He's Moses or something like that. God, that's a bizarre idea. Steve Carell's great though. I'm watching The Office for the first time somehow, and uh, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> that's surprising to absolutely no one it's the office everyone knows it's great oh the format of the show i've not read this before did i say that it's the the it's what happens here an angel and a demon stand side by side on the mesopotamian plain, both in awe of God's wrath. A man and his family are loading animals into a massive boat. Two of every kind, slowly making their way abroad, apparently content with their lots, content with their lot. It's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's just two of us? Wait, so we have to and then are the kids with the the this like Oh my god, dude, Noah, no, no, Noah. Although that's okay with animals, right? Animals are all like incestuous and it doesn't mess them up genetically for some reason. <laughs> humans are like no don't do that do you want to have an overbite the size of an orange what is happening the demon wonders the angel explains the Almighty it seems a little bit miffed I will be sending a great storm to drown everybody to wipe out the human race except for that family on the boat they'll be fine (laughs) their descendants won't be (laughs) with their massive deformed jaws the demon is shocked the whole world everyone but the angels quick to reassure him it's only the locals that will drown the almighty is not upset with the chinese or the native americans or the australians and when the whole thing is done the almighty will put a rainbow in the sky as a promise not to drown everyone again the demon is still shocked this is something he had considered his lot to do the rain starts falling the storm has arrived is that the real story like why why the australians why are we leaving the australians alone? <laughs> the tale of Noah's Ark is probably one of the better known stories in the Bible and has its fair share of use in popular culture those of you familiar with the television show good omens would have recognized the conversation between the demon Crawley and the angel Aziraphale I've never heard of good omens however for many this is more than just a story this is something that really happens. but the, the literal interpretation of the Bible just makes me a little bit like what the f- man and i know like whenever i mention this people in the comments be like no 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 i know people like this i know people who literally who believe like literally in the bible and i'm like there's like bible sh- that i already find crazy like i don't know i think i've i not well but i know like of a couple of people who've done the like no sex before marriage thing and i'm already like bro <laughs> Mm -hmm. for real like with the reels and they always get married really young um because of course they do but like that's the that's the furthest that i've seen people really go down the god religion path but literal belief in the bible i don't think i know a single person in my real life and i know religious people who who actually literally believe everything in the bible is fact that just seems insane to me But, how does a believer go about convincing the rest of us heathens of the truth of this tale? Well, one way would be to find the actual Ark. No, it wouldn't. Because you'd find, like, a massive Ark and be like, okay, so someone built a massive Ark. Did God send down rains and drown everyone and then there were only two of each animal in the world? Every single animal? How do you even do do that? What about mosquitoes? you, Noah. Prick many have set out to do exactly that and a great many came back with proof wooden fragments eyewitness accounts photographic evidence and now that science has finally caught up ground penetrating radar scans considering the time effort and money spent on the search for this elusive boat you'd expect some tangible results (laughs) would you though (laughs) so today we're looking at the quest to find the ark and answer the question has noah's ark been found the story of noah so, who was Noah? This renowned boat builder is a central figure in the three Abrahamic faiths: Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. I'm sure most of our listeners have some idea of who Noah was, but since the story of Noah is kind of important if we want to find his ark, it is worth revisiting. Thank you, Ilze. I mean, Be like I don't, I don't know. Like I, I I'm sure I read the story of Noah's ark. I mentioned it before I went to like religious school. I'm sure it came up. But I've almost entirely forgotten it, so let's have some fun and revisit the story of Noah. The story of Noah and his ark is similar in both the Bible and the Torah. God looked upon the earth and saw only wickedness. He regretted creating mankind and decided to wipe out all living things from the face of the earth. However, Noah, being an honorable and righteous man, was loved by God and commanded to build an ark. The ark had to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high, which I don't care how big a cubit is. That is not big enough to store two of every species on earth there are where's the sperm whale going where's the blue whale going where's elephants going it's not big enough also gonna have a big fish tank in there are you noah also wait wouldn't they be fine (laughs) all the sea creatures did we not consider the sea creatures God they're all gonna be fine in the rain they're gonna thrive also where's all this water coming from are you gonna flood the whole world with what water maybe melt the ice caps if you're wondering about cubits we'll get back to that a little bit later God would send a flood but Noah his wife his sons and their wives would be safe on the Ark they also had to take a pair of every animal male and female onto the Ark with them as well as a pair of every bird and things that crawl on the earth. Earth. however later on it states that god commanded noah to take seven pairs of all clean animals and one pair of unclean animals so there's a bit of discrepancy there it's been suggested that this is the result of two flood bits being combined into one noah also had to fill the ark with enough food for all the people and their charges once the ark was completed in noah's 600th year oh just casually throwing in and noah was 600 years old because of course he was noah his family and the entire zoological department of earth entered the ark and god shut them in then the floodgates opened from the springs in the earth and the rain started falling it rained for 40 days and 40 nights until all of earth to the highest mountains were underwater and all living things perished except for those on the ark well the sea creatures god we what's this what about the sea creatures the flood remained for 150 days the water steadily receded in the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat after 150 days Noah released a Raven but it only flew in circles after the Raven Noah released a dove since doves are apparently more trustworthy and the dove finding nowhere to perch returned to the Ark after seven days the dove was released again and it returns carrying an olive leaf after another seven days it was released and a third time it never returned which must have been a bummer for dove kind yeah 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 so the dove fucks off but we still got doves don't we people who take this literally how do we have doves I don't understand it how is noah 600 years old where is all the water coming from and where did it go what happened to the sea creatures bible people what happened to the sea creatures i'm not satisfied on the first day of noah's 601st year the earth was dry and noah was commanded to leave the ark where did all the water go where it just disappeared, it got sucked back into the earth through those magical springs. He built an altar to God and sacrificed some of the clean animals, and God made a covenant with Noah that He would never again send floods to destroy all of mankind. The rainbow appearing in the sky after the storm is a reminder of that promise. The tale of Noah in the Quran has a few differences. Noah is a prophet sent by Allah to warn people of their imminent eradication. However, the chiefs, wary of losing their power, accuse Noah of lying. Noah is commanded to build. Well, he's definitely lying about his age, wasn't he? Noah is commanded to build the ark and he is mocked by the unbelievers for building this ark similar to the bible and the torah noah is commanded to take two of every animal onto the ark with him unlike the bible and the torah noah doesn't or only take his family he takes a small group of believers onto the ark with him one of his own sons throws in his lot with the non-believers and drowns in the flood once all the non-believers drowned Allah stopped the rains and halted the flood. I didn't see any reference to ravens and doves, and the ark came to rest on Mount juri rather than the mountains of Ararat. While Noah's Ark is probably the best known version, it's not the only story that involves floods, big boats, and a select few surviving. There are over 250 flood myths across the globe. Basically, every culture has one. One of the earliest versions, and one some scholars consider to be the tale Noah's Ark is based on, is the Epic of Gilgamesh. The epic poem tells the story of Gilgamesh, king of Uruk, and was written. In some time around 2150 BCE and 1400 BCE. The legend goes that in his search for immortality, Gilgamesh came upon Utnapishtim. I have no idea how to pronounce that. A man who has apparently achieved what Gilgamesh himself seeks. Utanus, alright, this dude, the immortal dude, I'm not going to try his name again, revealed to Gilgamesh the tale of the flood the god enlil decided to send a flood to annihilate mankind a bit of an extreme reaction to overpopulation but the god Ea warned the immortal dude to build a boat and give up his wealth in favor of collecting living things to take with him onto the boat he did as he was told and when the flood came he took his family and the collection of living things onto the boat the storm raged for seven days the earth was flooded and every living thing died except for the ones safely aboard the immortal dude's ark the boat finally lodged itself on mount Nimush. <laughs> oh the bible plagiarized you stole this story bible come on now on the seventh day after coming to rest on mount Nimesh, uh the immortal dude released a dove but it returned finding nowhere to perch if this dove gets an olive leaf <laughs> yeah. plagiarist bible next he released a swallow but the swallow also returned finding nowhere to land finally sent a raven which didn't return presumably having found dry land really or it just drowned <laughs> it gets lost there's nowhere to land because it's just water and it drowns the immortal dude and all living things on the boat disembarked and he sacrificed a sheep to the gods for his obedience both the immortal dude and his wife were granted immortality oh wait sorry it wasn't the immortal dude it was the dude who was looking for immortality oh i'm confused it doesn't matter it's basically the same story as the 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 noah story in the bible clearly plagiarism here there are a great many similarities between the tales of gilgamesh and noah yeah no shit if i had wrote the te- epic of gilgamesh and then some dude came along and was like bro i wrote this book called the bible i, I would be like bro <laughs> cease and desist bitch. you ain't selling that shit that is my story for if my name is not gilgamesh wait was the book written by gilgamesh or is it just called the epic of gilgamesh i think it's just called the epic of gilgamesh who wrote the epic of gilgamesh hey siri who wrote the epic of gilgamesh okay some dude ocuslav martin or something like that really never heard of him so uncultured. Let's carry on. The gods send a flood. the chosen and righteous man is called to build a boat to take representatives of all living things on board. All mankind is annihilated. The boat finally wedges on a mountain, the dove, the raven, the sacrifice. Since the Bible was written after the Epic of Gilgamesh, many scholars believe the story of Noah was a retelling of the tale of Gilgamesh, but adapted to a monotheistic religion. A retelling, huh? I'm gonna I'm gonna retell the tale of Harry Potter in slightly my own words. And sell billions of copies. Hey Siri, how many? St- of Harry Potter of the bin. Siri is currently spelling Harry Potter to me. Why did you tell me how Harry Potter spelled Siri? Why why is Siri so shit? Another flood myth thought to have influenced the biblical accounts of Noah is the Sumerian tale of King Ziusudra, or whatever. King of Surapak, who also happened to be a seer. After witnessing the god's council and realizing something catastrophic was coming, he's visited by the god Enki, who confirmed what he already expected. This sounds enky. It sounds like I'm reading like a Marvel story. From there, the tale is similar to the story of the immortal dude or I don't know, the dude previously built the Ark. Who gives a- the king builds a boat survives the flood and gains immortality when you look at other flood myths and I read a bunch of them in many of them the same motifs repeat however not all myths are cataclysmic levels of destruction some myths limit the flooding only to a certain area like a village or in one instance a disobedient son's land became a lake that sounds a lot more believable is so that what in your flood myths oh my backyard flooded what was in yours God rained down enough water to flood the entire Earth including Mount Everest which definitely wasn't called Mount Everest and all that shit back then. And only a bunch of incestuous animals and people survived on a boat, and there was a dove and a raven or some shit like that, and some dude killed a sheep. BAM! Some stories take on characteristics of the places that where they're told. After much digging I came across two African flood myths that not only include an ark but also birds. However, the birds are vultures and a hawk rather than doves and ravens. Apparently Noah wasn't the only one to build himself a really big boat. Was there an ark to begin with? before we can go looking for an ark we need to consider another question was there an ark to begin with one of the biggest problems with the search for the ark and the flood narrative in general is the idea that it was a global flood an all-destructive global flood isn't something I think life as we know it would have been able to come back from not only with eight people And a boatload of animals and science seems to agree there are a number of problems with the global floods the main being that there isn't enough water in the atmosphere to allow a flood of that magnitude if there was a flood like that the ground would have been saturated so we're talking about floodwaters deep enough to cover all mountains including everest evaporating in less than a year and well where did all of that water go while there is no archaeological or geological evidence of a global flood scientists agree that a localized flood of sub magnitude isn't outside the realm of possibility one interesting theory is that a comet struck the earth around 5000 years ago off the coast of Madagascar these ensuing tsunamis hitting coastlines across the world caused by the impact is the source of all the flood myths some archaeologists also suggest that there might have been a global flood on the floodplain between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers in Mesopotamia today Iraq which gave rise to all of the flood myths including Noah and his ark, in the region the Sumerian king list indicates a flood in the beginning of the third millennia as history is divided into the reign of the pre-flood kings starting with Eridu and the reign of post-flood kings starting with Kish clearly there was a catastrophe of note in Mesopotamia early in the third millennium however there is no proof that this catastrophe was global according to geologist Carol Hill if you take the Bible at face value the Bible itself doesn't mention a global flood either I'm not a scientist but I do know language language is far more than a system of symbols and sounds history culture and context play a big role in constructing meaning moses generally accepted as the writer of genesis didn't know about australia africa or the americas he wasn't familiar with native americans chinese or the sand people in the kalahari desert he'd also probably never have seen llamas panda bears or blue whales and i imagine he might have been rather surprised by the platypus when moses talks about a flood covering the earth he meant his earth, which at that time was very small. The Hebrew word used for earth, eretz, literally means earth, ground, land, dirt, soil or country. People in the time of Noah and Moses didn't yet understand the concept of a planet. Why would they have a word for a concept that simply didn't exist yet? Noah's world was essentially Mesopotamia, a flat alluvial plain surrounded by mountains. While Moses would have known about Egypt, it's unlikely that he understood the idea of an entire continent the size of Africa attached to Egypt. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 10, God called the dry land Earth. It seemed to me like God is being very specific. Yeah, that's a great point. These dudes didn't realize there was a whole big world out there. <laughs> like, that wasn't discovered until much later. <laughs> much later. A local flood... Would also explain the animals. If we accept that Noah took two of every animal, we're talking about thousands of animals. And that's if you don't include the dinosaurs and some creationists want to. Oh God, yeah, that throws in an extra spanner into the works, doesn't it? Because if the earth is only 6,000 years old, is that right? Then everything that's ever lived has to have fit into that 6,000 years. And which is obviously insane. The dinosaurs were like 70, 80 million years ago, something like that. I mean, as I know it's a broad stretch, but like roughly. So all of that, Okay, so Tyrannosaurus Rexes, giant megalodons, and all of that shit had to go on this boat. Come on, this is ridiculous. This boat would be just really big. Be a really really big boat arguments have been made that noah loaded two of every family rather than every species and that animals mutated into the variety that we have today which sounds suspiciously like evolution but that's a whole different can of worms (laughs) oh god you dug yourself a hole with that one haven't you creationists regardless that's a lot of animals for eight people to take care of also not all species had relations in the middle east the capybara natives of south america would have to get all the way to mesopotamia for no apparent reason hop on a boat cruise around for a year with a bunch of hungry hungry carnivores, and then canoe back home after the unwanted cruise without leaving any trace of its passing. The Bible does make a point of mentioning miracles, but if there were any miracles involved in finding and keeping all the animals, the writer of Genesis neglected to put it on paper. That means that Noah had to go out and gather all of these animals himself. Since he didn't yet know about the existence of Australia or the Arctic, how would he have known to go there? Even if the continental plates only shifted after the flood, I'm pretty sure the discovery of ice fields and penguins would have been extraordinary enough to merit some mention in ancient texts they're hardly a common bird in the mesopotamian landscape however if the flood was local only animals local to the area would have been on the ark and that's a much more manageable number a global flood would also have been disastrous for marine life a sudden influx of flesh fresh water into the ocean or the ocean spilling salt water into freshwater lakes and rivers would have upset the ecosystem enough that most of the world's species would have died out <laughs> holy shit if we just mix the salt water and the fresh water together then. <laughs> ah that's a lot that's if the sheer weight of the water didn't crush them first this i mean i feel like most stories come from a place of truth right when you have like let's say this started with the epic of gilgamesh or whatever there probably was a really big flood somewhere like someone's entire town flooded and there was some dude who was like let's build a big raft and let's get all of the you know let's get some sheep onto there let's get some llamas onto there let's get all these animals that we need so we can repopulate them afterwards let's get them all onto this big raft so that they can survive this flood and then we'll get them to breed afterwards See completely reasonable story. The thing can then over thousands of years morph into the crazy story that is Noah and his giant ass ark with every species in the world. That that kind of makes sense to me. So if you look for that giant raft, yeah, we could do that. The Bible instructs Noah to load animals and food for his family and their charges. However, the Bible doesn't mention anything about taking seeds and samplings to repopulate the forests of the earth, at least not the version I read. If the globe was covered with water for almost a year, most, if not all, living plants would have drowned. Some seeds can remain dormant for decades. The oldest seed to germinate was a 2,000-year-old date seed. However, being soaked in water for a year is not the ideal conditions if you want to preserve seeds, unless you're planting seaweed, that is. Of course, cataclysmic disasters are plentiful in the historic, record the eruption of mount vesuvius the eruption of krakatoa the black plague brexit and donald trump to name a few so a catastrophic flood decimating the earth's population to some extent isn't entirely impossible even today hundreds if not thousands of lives are lost annually across the world due to flash floods tsunamis and other disasters involving lots and lots of water i'm inclined to believe that our ancestors came to the shocking conclusion that well a boat is a good place to be in a flood and if you have a chance to load some of your livestock on while you're at it your future looks relatively rosy once the water subsides arc fever so you're convinced the ark is real and you wish to go on an expedition to find it you'd not be the first dear listener in fact so many people claim to have found the ark that new expeditions and their findings don't even make the news anymore yeah if i read that i'll be like slow news day guys it's like john starts looking for noah's eye i be like (laughs) okay daily mail (laughs) really that's the story we're going with but where to start their search there are a great many possible landing places for the Ark among them Mount Nisir close to the Little Zab River in the As Sulamania region of the Zagros Mountains and Mount Nisibis located near the border of Turkey and Syria a more recent expedition placed the landing place of the Ark on Mount Suleiman in the Elba's Mountains oh my god guys these are not small areas that you're going to be searching and it's going to be buried like underground or snow or dirt or some shit like that however most expeditions are focused on three places the Dura site Mount Ararat and Mount Judy so I figured I'll focus on those on top of all the sightings by people who truly believe they found something of value there are a great many intentional hoaxes perpetrated by fraudsters hoping to cash in on ark fever i decided not to include any of those hoaxes since we have more than enough actual expeditions to look at now you and i might have a doubt about this whole affair but as far as i could tell the majority of these expeditions are truly looking for the ark and many sincerely believe that they found it of course a lot of cash is made off the search for noah's ark but we'll just chalk it up as a happy coincidence rather than intentional fraud for the most part yeah i'm not i don't think it's intentional fraud like the history channel let's just mention the History Channel, separated from the words intentional fraud. But, like, they fund a whole bunch of shows where it's like they're looking, you know, for aliens or, like, some treasure on an island. And they spin it into, like, 700 seasons, which people watch. And, obviously, they have adverts on it. And it's like, okay, guys, we get it. It's not a lie. I mean, it is a it is a lie, though, isn't it? Because it's not, like, it's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. But it's kind of, like, a bit shitty, isn't it? <laughs> the Durapanar site. Probably the most famous of the Ark sites, the boat-shaped anomaly on top of the mountain in the Dogubayazit region in eastern Turkey, has been the topic of many articles and even makes an appearance in National Geographic from time to time. Even if you don't follow the search for the Ark <laughs> you wouldn't be following the search for the Ark. <laughs> I've Google alerts for the search for the Ark. Or have any interest in unsolved mysteries in general, odds are you've seen it even if you don't realise what the fuss was about. Really? I don't know if I've seen this. Discovered in 1959 by a cartographer and dread the site is about 30 kilometers south of the great ararat and is still drawing arc enthusiasts from around the world many believers and explorers looking for the ark firmly believe that we found it however most scientists and geologists have refuted these claims stating it's simple rock formation that unfortunately happens to be vaguely the size and shape of a boat however considering its continuing popularity it's a good a place as any to start mate you can't build a boat out of rocks rocks sink well I suppose if they were hollow enough if you had like a big you know rock shaped bowl that would float because that's how it works but this isn't that it's just a rock formation how how did he make it it's a boats made out of wood what are you talking about the length of the formation is about 515 feet that's around 160 meters and is roughly equivalent to the measurements of the arc which is 300 cubits okay so it's a big ass boat but it's not enough to hold everybody however things are already getting wonky we don't know exactly how long a cubit was the word cubit comes from the latin cubitum meaning forearm and it was measured from elbow to fingertip as with 300 cubits that's really not that big Oh no, that could be, that could be yeah that could be as with most measurements requiring body parts this makes the exact length of a cubit a bit hard to pin down not only that there were two different cubits in history the common cubit was around 450 millimeters that's around 18 inches and the royal cubit was around 520 millimeters which is around 20 inches or at least that's our best guess so which cubit did Noah use considering that the size of the formation is one of the major plot points when it comes to convincing the world that this is the arc that's a fairly important detail there's also a solid argument in favor of using one measuring system let's not confuse future archaeologists and stick to using the metric system honestly i think we're all past the age of using body parts rant over we're here for the arc so let's get back to it yeah i agree metric system like i don't know i still use imperial system for some shit. like what do i use it for the discoveries of ron wyatt probably one of the most ardent believers of the Ark at the Dura Pinar site must be Ron Wyatt in September 1960 Life magazine ran a story about a boat-shaped formation in the mountains of Ararat intrigued by the possibility of it being Noah's Ark Wyatt spent the next 30 years researching not only Noah's Ark but a number of other biblical mysteries as well since most of the research at Dura Pinar seems to either be based on or at least inspired by the work done by Wyatt it's worth taking a look at what exactly he found and oh boy did he find a lot on August the 9th 1977 Wyatt and his two sons arrived in Istanbul needless to say things were rather different back then Turkey was not exactly a tourist hotspot very few people spoke English and public transport wasn't what it is today it took them almost four days to make their way to dogul buyers and due to the language barrier they still didn't know where to begin looking for the formation reported on in that life article this is this is not only 1977 though this isn't that long ago I mean it's like 50 years 40 something years. 45 years ago Um, 35 years ago? 45 years ago 45 years ago I was just trying to tie it into my birthday and then I accidentally thought that I was 45 but I'm not I'm not quite 45 Um, it's cool whoever these dudes are like I read this thing in Life magazine now I'm going to do an expedition to Turkey to try and find it what is your life? and I like it so, according to the Wyatt Museum website, they did the only thing they could. They prayed about it, asking for the taxi taking them to dog or it to stall at the place where they needed to start looking. Not exactly the scientific method, but whatever floats your ark, I suppose. The taxi stalled three times. I would have chalked this up to poor maintenance, but Wyatt was more optimistic. Every time the taxi stalled, he and his sons would use small stone piles to mark the spot. The very next day, they started their search at the third pile, intending to work their way back to the first. Starting at the first Palm. they walked away from the road in a perpendicular line into the unknown and surprisingly they found something on that first day with the help of local villagers acting as guides they came across the anchor stones this is I already know where this is going this is just going to be one of those tales where it's like dude goes looking for something very specific and does everything he can to imagine that he's found that very specific thing like if you go looking for a moon-shaped rock or formation in the woods you're going to find that moon so you're just going to wander around for a while and be like found it that's it and people are going to be like it doesn't really look like a moon does it and be like oh dude look at that it does come on the drogue stones or anchor stones found in the area are a big selling point for Noah's Ark drogue stones were the ancient equivalent of storm anchors they're large flat heavy stones drilled with a hole at one end for the rope the stones found by Wyatt and his sons had carvings of crosses on them exactly eight the villagers, seeing their excitement, showed them some more stones, and the stones had eight crosses. The one that only had six crosses had obviously been broken, so the other crosses were lost. Of course this is proof that the drogue stones they found at the site were from Noah's Ark as the crosses represent Noah and his family. <laughs> Again, man goes looking for something specific and he finds. What he wants. I'm no historian, but to me the crosses appear to be in the style of the Knights Templar. While Mount Ararat and the Dogubayazit region is not on the route of the crus, is not on the route the Crusaders took to Jerusalem, many of the Crusaders did pass through Turkey, and I wouldn't be surprised if they shopped around for some new recruits or just went out of their way to convert some of the locals to the brand to their brand of faith while they were in the neighborhood. So not only are these crosses themselves suspect, historians have pointed out that the stones are not anger stones but Turkish standing stones used by tribes for astronomy and as calendars the hole drilled in the top is used for sighting and the stones can be found in other parts of turkey as well they're not limited to the mount ararat region in my opinion that makes them far more interesting and a significant part of the local culture and history yeah ancient tribes doing astronomy with these things is way more interested they were the anchors for a big fictional boat On the second day, walking from the second pile of rocks, Wyatt and his sons made another great discovery. Great discovery. Still no boat, but they did find a very old stone house with adjacent stone fencing and animal pens. They also found two large stones that they interpreted as not just tombstones, but the tombstones of Noah and his wife based on some carvings on top of that they found a very large rock that they considered to be an altar complete with rock fencing indicating pens and two stones with chiseled basins possibly used to bleed animals before the sacrifice on the big altar so now we have anchor stones noah's house his grave and an altar Fully equipped for sacrifice. Oh my god, man goes looking for things he wants to find. Jesus, this is like one of the best examples of this I've ever seen. On day three, Wyatt found the stone formation that they'd come all the way to Turkey for and excitedly decided that it found the remains of Noah's Ark. However, it was only in 1979, two years after his first visit, that an earthquake in the region fully revealed the Ark properly, and a great many expeditions followed. Wyatt theorized that the Ark did initially land on Mount Ararat, but in time, due to an earthquake and a landslide, the ark slid down the mountain to its current resting place near dogabazit and impaled itself on a wedge of white limestone where it still remains to this day during after its delightful slide down the side of a mountain the ark was covered by a volcanic lava flow that protected it against erosion and weathering in time water seeping through the layer of protective lava leached out elements such as iron magnesium and titanium allowing the wood of the ark to petrify in my humble opinion a lava flow will destroy everything in its path including a wooden boat but i'm just a writer i'm not an arc explorer yeah it's like you gotta lay a piece of wood i've been to like the um i've been to a volcano and seen the lava flow you throw some shit into that it is gonna catch fire like it's not being preserved under the lava that lava is destroying it The earthquake of 1979 exposed evenly spaced indentations suggesting ribs, to further bolster the theory of the Ark, but also discovered petrified wooden beams, essentially nice rectangular blocks of black rock, which showed three different layers in a cut section and was described as plywood that had obviously been glued together. Since the Ark was made of gopher wood, and we don't actually know what gopher wood is, the guess that it's similar to plywood is as good as anything. This was sent for analysis at Garbraith Laboratory, and the results showed elements of Iron, aluminium, and carbon. A rippled rock was also found near the site and was described as fossilized reeds or bark, and even sounded hollow when hit with a hammer. So, had actual proof of an ark finally been found why is that why would that rock be hollow i don't understand according to petrologist according to petrologist lawrence collings the answer is a resounding no after analyses of 12 different sections taken from both pieces of petrified wood both pieces were proven to be either basalt or andesite volcanic rock so no it wasn't preserved it's not a fossil it's just rock and you don't build boats out of rocks the so-called glue holding the supposed pieces of plywood together is most likely calcite or siderite the rippled rock that was apparently a bundle of petrified reeds consisted of layers of pyroxene and olivine crystal so once again no petrified wood here why would you send this to a lab it's like this is the 1970s it's not like this was discovered in the 1500s and they were like it's noah's ark no one can prove us different it's the 1970s you find it you send it to a lab and they're gonna be like yeah but mate it's not if you really believe do these people really believe that they found the ark are they actually convinced of this because it seems like to me it's like it's a scam it's a con you can't possibly believe this because it's too ridiculous but maybe they do actually believe it and they're sending it to this lab expecting it to be verified which is beyond insane when you consider that they found these things by their car stalling people told them that they weren't these things and they still remained resolute it's just so absurd that i think it's a scam but i think now that it's not and they genuinely believe this bizarre to me because the crystals are so closely interlocked the rock vibrates when it's hit with something like a hammer making it sound hollow now for those of you wondering petrology is a branch of geology and focuses exclusively on rocks and since collins holds a phd i'm inclined to believe that he might know what he's talking about collins felt that the boat shape was simply the result of erosion of the bedrock by landslide debris but petrified wood wasn't the only weapon in wyatt's arsenal using a metal detector ron wyatt John Baumgardner and David Fasolt found iron artifacts at regular intervals in what they assumed to be the walls along the length of their arc. Metal flakes were also detected at the ribs of the arc. They came to the conclusion that these were rivets, washers, and brackets used by Noah to keep his big boat together. Chemical analysis done by the Los Alamos National Laboratory and the Galbraith Laboratory in Knoxville, Tennessee, indicated that these artifacts were composed of iron, magnesium, manganese, aluminium, and titanium. Of course, this would suggest that i was able to forge alloys of these metals well before it became possible for your standard blacksmith however that's not the only problem it's a fairly substantial problem (laughs) magnetite grains deposited in cracks and fractures in the rock by rainwater could oxidize into iron rich limonite which would be picked up by a metal detector and might look like iron brackets a thin section of these washers and brackets should have been tested but initially no one bothered to do this much later a thin section of the bracket was finally tested but it didn't contain any actual metal it was composed of altered magnetite grains cemented together with limonite also as collins pointed out if the arc was indeed constructed with iron rivets washers and brackets the ark discoverers should have found hundreds of these artifacts lying around not a single bracket and one or two rivets yes indeed true but also when you found out that they weren't really metal that was also enough (laughs) evidence is strong enough because there's no evidence the other way above the ark site higher up the mountainside Wyatt found what he believed to be the bottom of the ark and a strange piece of rock that was similar to a piece of rock that he found at his original site he came to the conclusion that this was the ballast of the ship of course it was going further up the mountain toward the Iranian border Wyatt also came across the broken remains of an ancient stele essentially a stone slab depicting three forms of writing the most legible segment showed the unique Ridge just above the side of the stele a mountain peak in the distance a ship with eight faces in it and several animals Wyatt excitedly decided that this meant this was the original landing place of the Ark this is entirely possible of course however this doesn't prove that the Ark actually landed there only that someone believed it enough to put up a marker in the place where they thought the Ark had landed can't we carbon date that somehow like the carvings would that be possible how would you do that to work out when it was carved Hmm, maybe you can't because carbon dating relies on stuff trapped in there right you couldn't tell when it was cut from maybe you could scientists are big brain they'll probably figure out a way to do that let's do that and find out whether this is god do we even need to bother (laughs) because obviously it's not from when noah was around (laughs) these discoveries are fascinating and might seem pretty airtight to some yeah some people who've smoked too much meth maybe however there are two concerns the first is that wyatt was not an archaeologist a geologist or a chemist while he worked in a lab for four years he was a certified registered nurse anesthetist now don't get me wrong i'm not saying you have to have certain degrees in order for your work to be valid anyone can do research on a topic and occasionally amazing discoveries are made by laymen in the field however having training definitely helps you to evaluate what you're looking at Wyatt set out to find the ark that he decided was there and not only did he find the ark and the ark's anchor stones he found a whole lot of other things along the way to prove in his mind that noah lived in the area after the flood noah's house noah's tombstone and an altar for sacrifice again man goes looking for something and he finds what he's looking for it's it, it, this is it this is brilliant example of this however no one has ever confirmed that these artifacts were related to noah at all secondly if wyatt only discovered the ark through persistent research that would be one thing however he also claimed to have discovered the exact location of the red sea crossing the ark of the covenant Goliath's sword and the tomb of jesus among other things oh my god dude i think he just i don't think he's a fraud i think he genuinely believes that he's discovering these things and maybe he's just a bit dim i think it's more likely just he's a bit dim or like so or just incredibly delusional a proper archaeological dig can take years and some archaeologists will spend their entire career on one site or one artifact Wyatt was a great storyteller certainly but i doubt that he ever found anything of true value despite all the proof that this is really just a rock formation expeditions to the site continue the most recent search was launched in 2021 by the history chat not really it was launched by the noah's ark scans project which wanted to prove once and for all that the dura pinar site is the final resting place of the ark according to researcher andrew jones and dr feti ahmed yuxel of the department of geophysical engineering and applied geophysics of istanbul of istanbul university a man-made boat structure has been uncovered with 3d scans using ground penetrating radar and electrical resistivity tomography which basically means dropping electrodes into boreholes wait this sounds like totally real things and these guys appear to be real scientists so what's up okay since this technique is apparently mainly used to determine the depth of groundwater and identifying clays, I'm not entirely sure that's relevant to finding a petrified ship, but I'm not a scientist. The team claims that the structure matches the dimensions of the arc as described in Genesis. However, we already determined that we're not entirely sure what those dimensions were. Apparently, the new data shows clear parallel lines and angular structures between 8 and 20 feet down. That's around 2 to 6 meters. The researchers feel that this is not something you'd see in a natural rock formation but that's not simply not true just take a look at the giant's causeway in ireland this remarkable formation is the result of volcanic activity not human intervention but these guys are like real scientists it's doctor so-and-so and researcher andrew jones they're at the geophysical engineering and applied geophysics of istanbul university that sounds like a real thing using real s- technology i don't be- i i totally believe that they must have some sort of ulterior motive here or like that they're they're trying to get their science to fit their religion or something like that but I feel like we need to who are these people in an attempt to preserve the site due to the continued interest the Turkish Ministry of Culture has declared the site a national park and built a visitor center now called the Noah's Ark Museum maintained by the wire foundation however despite the most recent claims no excavations have been approved yet since the site has become quite the attraction I don't blame Turkey for not allowing anyone to dig it up and possibly kill their goose with the golden egg so I guess we'll have to be content with rock analyses and 3D scans for now yeah okay so there's the rub isn't it it's like the turkish government the turkish university or whatever is very interested in this being true because it's good for tourism which is a conflict of interest mount ararat so I think we can all agree that Noah's Ark is not at the Durapanar site. Instead, some believe that the Ark didn't slide down the mountain at all and can still be found resting atop Mount Ararat. Kurdish tribes tend to their flocks on the lower slopes of Ararat, but many natives refuse to go higher than a certain point, claiming there's a magic zone and that Noah's Ark is up there, but God doesn't want anyone to reach it yet. Regardless of this, multiple expeditions have gone up the mountain, trespassed into the magic zone, and found the one thing that God apparently didn't want mankind to find yet. No wonder we were kidding out of the Garden of Eden. A uh, Mount Ararat, also known as Massis in Armenian and Agri Dag in Turkish, is a 5,165 meter tall mountain. That is tall! That's 17,000 feet. That's a big mountain. I've never heard of this, embarrassingly it's an ice capped mountain peak in eastern turkey close to the borders of iran and russia there are two peaks sitting next to each other which are often referred to as greater ararat and lesser ararat on the northwest side of greater ararat a series of glaciers flow into a permanent ice field the thing about mount ararat is that it's a dormant volcano that last erupted in 1840. admittedly it's not exactly mount st helens but it's not nor but it's not entirely stable either and this is a rather important detail. For a time, there was a firm belief that Mount Ararat formed during the flood. However, there are pretty big differences between a mountain formed by underwater volcanic activity and a mountain formed on land. Since this is a bit of a long script already, I'm not going to go into a geological comparison of stratovolcanoes and submarine volcanoes. Suffice to say that people smarter than me can tell the difference. Based on the radioisotope age of the volcanic rock, Ararat formed some 1.7 million years ago, thus placing it in the Ice Age, which makes it a relatively new geological feature in mountain years. Even creationist geologists (laughs) really creationist geologist that's actually a thing uh any scientific field starting with creationist refers to a school of thought that considers the biblical timeline to be accurate they've come forward stating that ararat is clearly a post flood mountain some biblical scholars claim that the story of the ark happened 5000 years ago how they got to that number I don't know but now we're saying ararat is 1.7 million years old but still only appeared after the flood and look are we honest i stopped trying to keep track of the age of the earth argument when i did my script on dragons. suffice to say that different schools of thought within christianity have different ideas about how old the earth is and when noah built his ark and we'll leave it at that okay good i'm already confused the important takeaway is that many feel that mount ararat did not exist when noah and his family hopped on a really big boat and even if it did it wouldn't have been very it would have been very unstable so it's unlikely the ark could have landed on it now this isn't the only problem with mount ararat many ark believers have pointed out a clear misinterpretation of the scripture the bible states that the ark came to rest on the mountains of ararat plural mountains not mount ararat many scholars that's a you could be searching a long time for something that's not even there guys so many people are wasting their lives on this it's mental many scholars believe that Ararat as mentioned in the Bible refers to the kingdom of Aratu and Mount Ararat wasn't a part of this kingdom when Genesis was written the kingdom of Arati was a mountainous region in northern Mesopotamia today Iraq it was a small kingdom and while historians aren't entirely clear where exactly the northern border was it's generally accepted that the northern border was quite a bit south of Mount Ararat the kingdom grew around the 9th century CE until it included Mount Ararat some people believe believe that Mount Ararat was suddenly part of Aratu in the time of Ezra the writer of the book of Ezra around 440 to 300 BCE Ezra worked on final edits of the book of Genesis while compiling the Old Testament but by then Maps looked a little bit different than they did in the time of Noah and of course Moses the writer of the book of Genesis now before you start yelling at me in the comments I'm not a biblical scholar and apparently there's a lot of disagreement about who actually wrote the book of Ezra and when so this is just one theory however this would mean that a lot of resources have been spent looking for an ark on the wrong mountain, but yet people persist. The Ark is resting on Mount Ararat, and there are eyewitnesses to prove it tradition placing the Ark on Mount Ararat starts as early as 290 to 278 BCE with Barossus a, a Babylonian priest chronicler who tells the story of a flood in his Babyloniaca, essentially a history of Babylon many Ararat believers use Barossus as a definitive source of the first mention of a flood to prove that the flood was real and the Ark landed on Ararat. the main problem with this is that none of Barossus's work survived we only know what wrote through the observations of other writers who claim to have read his work and most of it's in either jewish or christian interest with little real interest in historical accuracy it's important to remember that up until fairly recently in the grand scheme of history writers and artists were supported by patrons writing anything your patron didn't agree with was a sure way to get yourself fired if you're lucky and beheaded if you're not yeah uh, i mean that is definitely true in the past but it's also kind of true today like those two guys who are like in turkey super interested in like and the turkish government being like no you can't definitely can't dig that up because it's not the ark it's like you just want the part you just want the history that works out for you that still totally happens today these days writers are locked in basements and Simon is unlikely to behead us so things are looking up however this means that while most ancient sources and even middle-aged sources are very interesting to read they're nearly impossible to verify most of the stories I read that supposedly proved the ark's existence were based on sermons second tales heard from someone who's seen the Ark and stories of pilgrims who visited the Ark to scrape off pitch for good luck charms but but there are very few tales of people who visited the ark themselves that survive for that reason we're going to skip over these and focus on the tales of the 1900s which are easier to verify none of them prove the existence of the ark in my opinion but i'll let you make up your own mind so let's start with george Hegopian, a native armenian man who claimed to have visited the ark Twice with his uncle, once in 1902 when he was around 10 years old, and again in 1905. Not only did he see the Ark, he actually climbed on top of it. Apparently, his uncle told him stories of the Holy Mountain with the Holy Ship resting at the top, and one day he decided to take his young nephew to see the Holy Ship for himself. Many Ark enthusiasts feel that Hegopian was telling the truth, and since he used the name Massis, which is Armenian for Ararat, there is no doubt where the Ark was resting. <laughs> so, you're just believing some 12 year old story because you want to believe the 12 year old story many people believe he was telling the truth yeah 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 guess who doesn't this guy and anyone with half a brain Hagopian's story was consistent throughout his life charlatans trying to make money from a scam often changed their story to fit with popular opinion he was also thoroughly checked out by everyone and their dog he had a good reputation in his town and among his family friends and acquaintances a verified bank account (laughs) okay although how this is relevant i'm not entirely sure he was also 12. (laughs) okay and what's a verified bank account it's like you've been like twitter (laughs) your bank account's been verified He also passed the lie detector test, and we all know how reliable those are. Lie detector tests are not reliable. That's sarcasm from Ilza. There's something like their fifty one percent reliability or something, which is basically just better. It's it's one it's fractionally better than just them guessing. However, he never tried to make money from his experience. Of course, I have my doubts, but I'm inclined to believe that Hogopian definitely saw something and he truly believed what he saw was the ark. This is just one of these things. He was 10 and then 12 years old, right? So, he's going to be told a story by his uncle. He's going to be like, "Yeah, and then you stood upon the ark." And he'll be like, "Yeah, I did." And then that story becomes crystallized in his mind as something that actually happened to him even though he didn't. It didn't. Cuz of course it didn't. Another story often used to prove the existence of the Ark on Mount Ararat is that of the Russian Expedition. An article published in Rosea, a Russian magazine, told the story of a Russian airman who observed the remains of a large wooden structure in a small lake on the slopes of Ararat in 1916, while on duty over the region of Mount Ararat, Lake Van, and Lake Ermia. The Russian army could only send an expedition to look into this in the summer of 1917 a german soldier john Schilleroff, claimed to have been a part of the expedition made up about 100 soldiers and stated that the expedition did indeed find the ark he described the expedition as follows about two-thirds of the way up probably a little farther we stopped on a high cliff in the small valley below was a dense swamp in which the object could be seen it appeared to be a huge ship or barge with one end underwater and only a corner could be seen some went close but couldn't get out to it because of many poisonous snakes and insects okay so we saw something that looked like a boat from really far away in a lake and only a bit of a boat looking you're you're seeing what you want to see mate Unfortunately, with the Bolshevik Revolution kicking off in 1917 all the way to 1923 and the general political unrest in the region, archaeological expeditions dropped very low on the priority ladder. The reports from this expedition were lost in the chaos and never properly investigated. While multiple people have heard Shilarov tell the story and vouch for the man's character, there doesn't appear to be any existing accounts from any of the other 99 men who went on the expedition. There are, of course, people who claim to have known people who went. Lieutenant Rajansky claimed that his brother, Boris Vasily Rajansky, was a member of the investigating party apparently there was a boris v Rajansky who worked in the technological institute peter the great and attended the imperial institute of archaeology in st petersburg on the expedition however if he wrote anything about his findings there's no record of it yeah the it was my mate it was my brother he saw this he saw that is always just like it's second-hand eyewitness testimony, which is just like basically worthless. Throw it out, ignore it. Of course, that could be because the entire story was a fabrication by Floyd M. Gurley for his magazine. Apparently, finally admitted that 95% of this account was pure fiction. What 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 the truthful 5% was? I have no idea. Many articles by Ark believers list this story as one of many true accounts of people who saw the Ark firsthand, while many articles by skeptics claimed that the story was 100% fiction and nothing about it was true at all. Look. If someone's writing for a factual magazine and they make up 95% of their story and say like, no, 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 5% of it is true. We can just discount the whole thing because they made up 95% when they were supposed to be telling the truth. So they're 95% a lie. If someone lies 95% of the, if someone says I'm 90, I lie 95% of the time. Are you really going to believe them that they're telling the truth 5% of the time? No, I don't think so. Or maybe you are because they're so honest about lying 95% of the time. Or maybe that's part of the lie and it's all 100% of the time that's confusing since there's no evidence for the sighting and no one else on the expedition ever made a statement to bolster the story i am going to be siding with the skeptics on this one another big name in the quest for the ark on Ararat is french industrialist and amateur archaeologist fernand Navarre, who led expeditions to find the ark in 1952 1953 and 1955. on the third trip in 1955 on the northwest side of mount arat Ararat, Navara and his son Raphael hit upon gold when they reported a ship-like silhouette under the ice. Climbing into a deep crevice, Navara discovered what he claimed to be hand-tooled wooden fragments beneath the glacier, sitting at 14,000 feet. He sent the fragments to Earth to get tested, and the results seemed to concur with the explorer. The wood fragments were approximately 5,000 years old, conveniently the estimated age for the Ark according to some scholars. So far, so compelling. And I'm not even joking. Unfortunately, several people, among them two of Navara's climbing companions, claimed Navara had planted the wood there in the first place. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Navara denied it, of course, during a... Navarra denied it, of course, but during a subsequent exhibition in 1969, more wood was, rec- was recovered. Only after Navarra had been left alone on the glacier. Later testing of the wood fragments, more acu- using more accurate techniques, placed the wood around the 8th century CE. So wherever the wood came from, it missed the flood by about 3,000 years. Dude, so you just found some really old wood, and we're like, yeah, this will do. This will be old enough. Did they have carbon dating back then? Maybe not. He was like, yeah, they'll just say it's really old, so it could be old enough. And then new technology comes around and it's like oh no I've been exposed <laughs> when you li- when you lie always be aware that there's like future technology that could come around and uh, prove that you were lying so just be careful with that you know fake archaeologists science people all right in 1974 the holy grounds mission changing center of palestine texas okay so the, the organization is called the holy ground mission changing center of palestine and it's located in texas <laughs> jesus what a name alleged to have a photo of noah's ark tom croatser spokesman claimed that the group saw and photographed the ark from a distance of about 2,800 feet that's around 800 meters but they couldn't get any closer because they lacked the necessary equipment i find it strange that anyone would spend the diamond money to climb Ararat without making sure they have the right equipment regardless the photo has been evaluated by multiple professional photographers and the general consensus is that the photo has been altered it appeared that someone may have added lines to a rock formation to make it look like a wooden structure built with planks some photographers even stated that the photo was so vague That it could be anything. In 2007 and 2008, Noah's Ark Ministries International, based in Hong Kong, claimed to have not only found, but actually entered a structure on Mount Ararat that they were 99.9% sure was Noah's Ark. They weren't 100% sure, though apparently the team found seven large wooden compartments buried at 13,000 feet above sea level, it's 4,000 meters, close to the peak of the mountain. Radiocarbon dated wood taken from the site showed that the structure is around 4,800 years old. Okie dokie. Here we go however since they don't mention the lab where the tests were done it's a little hard to confirm whether this is actually the case oh you've got to send it to an external lab come on now you can't just be like yeah yeah, yeah no i tested it and this is the truth Here we go. got anything to back that no 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 can we test ourselves Oh, absolutely not no 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 definitely not <laughs> come on it's nonsense navara was not the only one to find hand-tooled wood on ararat a lot of people claim to have found wooden arcs on the mountain sadly at this point due to the large number of expeditions and people's propensity to leave behind shrines and crosses the various possible sites of the ark have been so badly contaminated by amateurs that the authenticity of anything found is highly suspect however there might be something up there no not an Ark don't get excited but the Ark isn't exactly the only wooden structure in history from 800 to 1400 CE there was a slightly warmer period often referred to as the medieval warm period one of the effects of the warmer weather would have been smaller ice caps and a higher tree line on Mount Ararat while some sources claim that Ararat never had trees growing on it there are others that disagree apparently 10th century Arab geographers mentioned that Ararat was heavily forested and local villages cut trees on its slopes, it's possible that timber buildings were built during this period. And when things cooled down again, from around 1400 to 1850, the structures were covered by ice as the ice caps expanded, and the buildings were abandoned. Mount Ararat has always been considered a holy mountain by Armenians. So, what better place to build a monastery? Monasteries at high altitudes are not exactly unheard of. Rongbuk Monastery on the ma- slopes of Mount Everest, 16,340 feet—that's about 5,000 meters above sea level. This would also help explain the wood found of Novara. The wood samples he found are more in line with a warmer period allowing people to build structures on the mountain in the 1800s and 1900s the ice receded again exposing the structures that were buried beneath the ice so long ago which led to an increase in sightings if you go up a mountain looking for a wooden arc and you find a wooden structure well confirmation bias is going to do the rest yes this episode is full of so much confirmation bias for Mount Judy I'm sure we'll all agree that the formation at durapanar is basalt rock and Mount Ararat quite possibly didn't even exist at the time of Noah so where's the Ark Mount Ararat only became a staple of Arctales around the 13th century before this sudden rise of popularity Noah's Ark was thought to be resting upon Mount Judy of course we now face a similar problem to all of the sources claiming Ararat the sources for Mount Judy are even older, so verifying them becomes a near impossible task. To confuse matters even further, Mount Judy is the mountain of many names, including Kudi Dark, Mount cardu Mount Quadu, the Gord mountain the carduchian mountain to name just a few the assyrians called it mount nippur the few sources even refer to it as mount ararat the reason behind that being that the ark rests in the mountain of ararat which means mount judy and mount ararat is the same place oh my god these names are super confusing okay <laughs> so history's really confusing because it's got lots of different names got it home is where the heart is and ararat is where the ark is i suppose However, for the purpose of this script, I'll stick to using Mount Judy since I'm sure we're all confused enough already. Yes, preach. Mount Judy is a twin peaked, non volcanic mountain in the southeast of Turkey, roughly northeast of the city of Ciz-Cizre. Cizre. C I Z R E and two hundred three miles 320 kilometers south of mount ararat the twin peaks and the confusion since ararat also has two peaks but mount judy is considerably smaller than ararat at only 2089 meters that's around 6,800 feet that is a lot smaller it's also far more accessible than ararat which makes the stories of pilgrims visiting the site and collecting bits of the ark for relics and talismans far more likely the area around mount judy also has a rich ancient history nestorian christians built several monasteries on mount judy one named the cloister of the ark which was destroyed by lightning in 766 ce and later a mosque was built on the same site. so clearly belief in the ark has been around for a while literature proclaiming mount judy as the final stop of the ark is plentiful the Samaritan Pentateuch places the landing place of the Ark in the Kurdish mountains north of Assyria the Samaritans were a Jewish sect that separated from the Jews around the 5th century BCE then there's the book of Jubilees dated to around the 2nd century BCE which places the landing place of the ark atop mount lubar one of the mountains of arad well we're not sure who wrote the book of jubilees other sources also mention Lubar, such as the midrashic book of noah oh my god could there be more confusing names in this episode and some pap pa- papyri pa- papyri is that like papyrus papyrus paprius papyrus, papyrus? papyrus? paprii author unknown unfortunately no one is clear on where exactly mount Lubar is supposed to be of course Berossus also comes up again only this time the authors quoting him and those interpreting the quotes decided that Berossus was talking about mount judy not mount ararat in the writing of josephus Berossus apparently mentioned the name mount of cordeans and tells of people carrying off pieces of the ark we've mentioned Berossus before and here is a good example of why ancient sources aren't always reliable barossus was most likely familiar with both the hebrew text which places the ark in uratu and the babylonian text placing the ark in the gordian mountains so apparently the one scholar everyone is quoting was himself relying on other sources he never saw an ark he simply retold an existing story which is a recurring theme in this, in these decoding the unknown episodes. As I always, it's just a, a second, third, fourth-hand information from people who were not very accurate to begin with. Another source, Nicholas of Damascus, stated that the Ark can be found atop a great mountain in Armenia called Barris. Once again, there doesn't seem to be any clarity on where Baris is, or where Nicholas got this information from. However, believers argue that Nicholas's flood story also places the Ark in the vicinity of Gordyin, the Mount Judy site. According to the Muslim faith, there is no other place the Ark could be. The Quran specifically states that the Ark landed, landed on Mount Al-Judy, or Jabal Judy, and 10th century scholars, al-Masudi historians, geographer and traveler and ibn Hawqal, geographer both mention mount judy as the landing place of the ark unfortunately i couldn't find that much information on the muslim sources in english articles so if anyone knows more about this i'd be happy to read about it in the comments some scholars claim that proof of mount judy as the final resting place for the ark can be found in noah's life after the flood you see after spending a year on a really big boat Noah retired and the only way a man with a really big boat can he planted a vineyard and made wine that does sound nice that's kind of like a vague dream of mine i'd love to like retire one day and just get a vineyard and grow grow wine i mean i don't want to go out there and pick all the grapes and shit myself but like just to you know have a vineyard and have people who pick the grapes for you mate i'd just most likely to i'll just most likely to be drinking wine to be honest and living on a vineyard somewhere warm that sounds nice man i don't want a boat though boats are a lot of work of course considering the year he just had i don't blame the man for needing a drink the wine grape most likely used in the time of noah was vitus vinifera this grape needs an average temperature of at least 16 to 17 degrees celsius 60 to 63 fahrenheit in the summer months and winters that aren't too cold as well as an elevation that's not too high with at least moderate rainfall then there's the dove And the olive leaf olive trees are even more picky than vineyards as they are less hardy and don't do well in hot or cold climates they also need to grow in well-drained soil or else they drown and this finally brings us to the dove That noah sent out the dove was released in the morning and returned in the evening with an olive leaf so how far could the bird have gotten in a day according to this theory the dove couldn't have gotten much further than say 100 miles that's around 160 kilometers however pigeons today can easily fly 600 miles that's around 900 kilometers in a day so whoa pigeons today can easily fly 600 miles in a day holy shit pigeons that's incredible that's the craziest thing i've read in this episode so far I mean, there's loads of crazy stuff in this episode, but it's not true. But pigeons can travel 900 kilometers in a day. That's properly mental, pigeons. Holy shit. Why are you all like living like dirtbags in the city? Fly off somewhere warm. Come on, pigeons, go. So once our Noah's dove could have gotten quite far in the few hours it was flying before returning to the ark. However. To keep things simple, let's assume the dove decided not to leave the current time zone. The leaf it brought back proves two things: first, we're not looking at a global flood because all the olive trees would have drowned, and secondly, wherever the ark landed was an area suitable to vineyards and olive trees. Apparently, the area around Mount Judy is well suited to both vineyards and olive trees. As soon as I can afford it, I'll go inspect the vineyards personally to see if this is in fact the case. Or Or maybe we were just reading into this a little bit too much. Although, like, the people still studying the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, And it's like, bro, it's been like thousands of years. Don't you think we cracked it? We studied it all, man. Like, people are still, like, digging up new things, hoping to find new shit. Oh, my God. It's so bizarre. Religion's so bizarre while there are many arguments in favor of Mount Judy and much discussion discussion around the historical sources supporting Mount Judy there doesn't appear to be a whole lot in the line of exploration happening at Mount Judy considering all the time and resources invested in Mount Ararat I can understand the unwillingness to search elsewhere a lot of people would have to admit they were wrong not exactly something the human race excels at but who knows? Perhaps someone will climb up Mount Judy soon and bring back a piece of the Ark to settle the debate once and for all. Yeah, 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 not happening. Will the Ark ever be found? No! It's not real. I mean, maybe they'll find some big old boats. but it's not the Ark of Myth. It's gonna be like back in like hours ago, whenever this episode began we talked about the dude in his garden getting flooded and how that was a bit realistic and him building a raft maybe we'll find some rafts that fits this historical myth but we're not finding a fat Ark that was filled with one of each species we're just not I'm sorry Bible people it's not real it's just not. So far, no real trace of the ark has been found anywhere in the world. Skeptics believe that's because the boat is a myth and it never existed. However, among believers, the reason is very simple. The ark was made of wood. According to smart people, a high mountain top isn't ideal for petrifying wood, and it's unlikely that any pitch used in the time of Noah to treat the wood was advanced enough to preserve wood for 5,000 years. On top of that, Noah and his family had just survived a flood. They needed to build shelter, and they needed to keep warm and cook food the flood destroyed all the trees but conveniently they had a really big wooden boat at their disposal they already built an altar and sacrificed some animals thank god for their salvation they had no need to preserve the ark they did need wood though and plenty of it a big problem with the search for the ark is the fact that proof has a nasty habit of going missing and eyewitness accounts are always second hand or in some cases the eyewitnesses themselves simply disappear In 1948, stories abound that a Kurdish man named Resit had stumbled across the Ark. However, Mr. Resit could never be found despite the offer of monetary rewards. In fact, when questioned, people in villages around Arad didn't even know anyone by that name. Mr. Resit wasn't the only witness to disappear, and many witnesses were proven to be unreliable or their stories of finding the Ark only came out after they died not only eyewitnesses but documentation like newspaper clippings photos and written down accounts from those elusive witnesses also keep disappearing in 1953 george j green an employee for an american oil company took photos from his airplane of the ark on mount ararat many people claim to have seen these photos but after green was murdered in 1962 the photos disappeared at the time the photos were doing the rounds they weren't proof enough to convince people to go and find the ark but once they disappeared suddenly they were proof of the ark's existence no one seeing the problem with that there misidentification is another problem with many arc tales a lot of people claim to have seen the ark over the years but the majority of these stories were proven to be misidentified objects mostly rock formations or even just shadows especially for arc sightings from the air and people and even people who insisted that it was definitely the ark couldn't find the objects again by air or foot making their finds just impossible to verify and let us not forget the conspiracies of course the ark is on Mount Ararat the government knows this and is keeping it a secret since the 1970s spy planes and weather satellites have been capturing images of a man-made structure on Mount Ararat that of course is the ark and not only is Washington holding out on us Moscow is complicit in this as well they may have lost that original report during the Bolshevik Revolution though that was proven to be fiction but when has that stopped a conspiracy theory but in the interim the communist regime had taken their own images of the Ark atop Mount. Mount ararat but they too are keeping it a secret because of course they are i just have one question why what could any government gain from keeping the existence of noah's ark a secret and if the government has indeed found it why has none of the by now hundreds of expeditions going up at regularly come across a boat big enough to be seen by a weather satellite in orbit If anyone is interested in conspiracy theories about the Ark, let me know, and I'll see if I convince Simon to do a whole script on this. But for now, I think we've heard enough about this big boat, and it's time to explore other mysteries yes i'm about done with noah's ark because it is nonsense conclusion why is the search for noah's ark so popular some searchers believe that proving the existence of noah's ark and thus the great flood of the bible will turn science on its head and convince millions of atheists and practitioners of other faiths that their beliefs are all wrong and that the bible is the only true account and thus the only true god in my humble opinion that is a rather arrogant assertion yes oh boy is it ever after all my research on the ark i have one question if so many believers agree that the Ark is real, the remains still exist, and finding this landing place will be a great blow for science and a win for the Bible, why are people working together on this? Instead, the various research expeditions are secretive, unwilling to share information with other seekers, and everyone and their grandmother who's ever gone looking for the Ark has written a book or made a documentary about it and made a good deal of money. Oh, I don't know why. Maybe it's, Maybe it's the money could it possibly be the money call me naive but isn't greed a deadly sin of course the honor of being a purse the person to find the ark would be substantial however the unwillingness to share information and findings means that a lot of money is being spent on duplicating efforts if this was truly a religious pursuit to prove the bible as the only true word of god surely money and fame wouldn't be the driving factors on top of that not all expeditions have the necessary permissions one group allegedly bribed officials and made the climb anyway after their requests were denied it could just be me but i'd be very wary of believing any claims about finding the ark from a group who are willing to use bribery and bend the rules for their own purposes if they're willing to do that wouldn't they be willing to stretch the truth a little claiming to see remains of an ark where there aren't any not to mention that i'd expect more from a group trying to find the ark in the name of a faith based on virtues such as honesty and integrity yes but uh, religion is rarely devoid of irony is it the story of Noah and his Ark is a lesson to believers of God protecting the faithful for most others it's a piece of delightful fiction nothing more the odds of a global flood destroying all life and the world being repopulated by eight people and only two of every animal is nil however the idea of local floods not just in Mesopotamia but across the world and people on barges surviving the chaos is not that far-fetched there are plenty of stories of surfers surviving tsunamis and if a dude on a surfboard can ride out a tsunami a family on a barge has a fair chance in a flood so I think we've decoded this mystery is the story of Noah true who knows there might be some fact in the fiction however the Ark has never been found and I doubt that it ever will yeah fully agree and if we do find it it's gonna be a it's going to be a raft or a barge or something like that it's going to be disappointing this has been an episode of decoding the unknown thank you for watching or listening if you listen please leave a review it'd be very helpful if you're on youtube like subscribe and i'll see you next time seeking the truth never gets old